Is your favorite middle daughter? Oh, your youngest daughter. You going to sing happy birthday? John? Aaron is our tallest, Aaron is our youngest, and probably uh, the most behind-the-scenes elder, and we say thank you, Aaron. Tallest? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you want to try it out? She might. <laughs> well, I didn't say she couldn't jump more. I just said, <laughs> well, good morning, y'all. Question for you, in considering here. Creating an atmosphere of blessing in the home, in church, in society. And I left off the most important part for a purpose. But in asking, making this statement, I ask, I ask a question. Why is it that the nation of Israel is so blessed? Why is it that I think, if it's not mistaken, Shane, help me over here, that more Nobel Peace Prizes come out of this one nation, small nation that is, than any, any nation. And patents per capita. Why is it? Why is it there's such blessing on it? One of my convictions is, and I was sounding it out with Shane earlier, is the role of the father and mother in the society. The family. Shane was saying that in the, in the Jewish society, the most the second most holy place in the Jewish society is the home. The role of the father and mother in the house. Create an atmosphere. That's why, it's my conviction, why there is such blessing on it. Just think about the Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2 and 3, where it talks about honor your father and mother. And it goes on and says, first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you. And so I want to share this morning some things about fathering and mothering in, uh, in either in the home, in the church, or even in society as a whole. Now I want to, I want to go to a step here and read a, a passage of scripture. Let's look at it. Go to the next slide, please. Think about this. I, he will restore. This is the spirit of Elijah. You know that song they were singing, the first song they sang? The spirit of Elijah comes. You know what that is? That is the spirit that calls to hearts of the fathers of the children and hearts of the children of the fathers. That is the spirit of Elijah. That's the ministry of Elijah. And so it goes on to say, he'll restore the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers, so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. Now, I've wrestled with this for a long time. What does that mean? Does that make God get mad and he comes and he curses something? I don't think so. Because God is good. God is a point of blessing. And this, I want to show you a video which I want to present to you what this passage means. So this, this is a clip from 60 Minutes in 2000. I think it was 2000. Stands behind as well. 
Isn't that crazy? They said that uh, in the article, this is just sort of abbreviated version, what had happened was one particular park in South Africa was overpopulating. So their solution was to kill the, the older elephants, relocate the younger elements, elephants to alleviate the population problem. But they created another problem. They lost up to 50, I think it was in one park, 30-some rhinos. And these elephants would just hoard up in gangs. And there were certain leaders that even start to go outside the park and recruit elephants back in to enter into these gangs to kill whatever was in the way. And they said when they brought in, they, they named the names, they had particular names for them. They, when they brought in the dad elephants, overnight everything went calm. Overnight. Never did they have another killing of a rhino. Instantly. Because of the role of the father and the mother in the house. When it says, I will strike the land with a curse, what does it mean? Because God created something to function one way, that where even it happens in elephants. Why do we have gang problems in America? Why do we have craziness occurring in our schools where, where we have more revelation of, of how to do things than ever before? Why do we have stupidness going on? Because why? The, the destruction of fathers and mothers in the house. In fact, I believe that that's the number one role of the church, for there to be fathers and mothers in the church. And so, so one of the things I want to share this morning is some of the things that God has been doing in me. And what we're going to talk about a little later is what I call phases or seasons of fathering and mothering. And to get there, there's certain foundations that I want to speak into this. And this is something God's been speaking into me, y'all. And some of it's raw, but, but I just really felt led that I need to share this stuff with you. Because one of the biggest frustrations I've had down through the years is, is being a father in the house, both spiritually and physically, and never having really totally been fathered myself. And so, so uh, I share these things not out of vast amounts of experience, <laughs> I do, but just out of what I'm seeing and what God has been birthing in me. So first thing, I just want to say some, lay some foundations when we start talking about fathering and mothering that you realize this. Is first, off, let's go to, first off, is, let's go to the next slide, is when we start talking about fathering and mothering, you've got to realize that it, fathering and mothering involves authority. And authority you know, means right. Children obey your parents. It's an authority issue. There's a sphere, there's an ordering of authority in the home. In fact, notice this, you younger men likewise be subject to your elders. That word subject literally means to order under. This sort of like he was talking about the elephants, all of a sudden when the dad elephant came into the herd, all of a sudden they started ordering themselves under it, the dad. And so, and it brought peace. And so the second thing I want to share is, is go to the next slide. Oh, sorry, go on. So when we go into these phases, you've got to realize this. When I talk about authority, there's two different types of authority. And these, these play into both in the fathering and mothering. Is, uh, there's positional authority. Children obey your parents. That is positional authority. There is a relational authority also. And what you want is for both to be present. And, uh, and, but 
So you're going to see these things go along. So when I talk about relational authority and positional authority, and so these both play into fathering and mothering. Second thing I want to talk about in fathering and mothering is, this, is that God is always involved in fathering and mothering us. Um, look at these past scriptures. Um, in Hebrews chapter 12. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. God's always dealing with you. Oh, yeah, do anybody need hands out? Hand, hands out. Anybody need handouts? Hands out. If you would, somebody in the back, please grab some. We got some over here, and Mitchie Fu's going to get them. So, so God is always doing a work to fathering and mother us. So, because some of us in this room, as we're talking about this, you're coming out of dysfunctional homes, you didn't have a father, you didn't have a mother, and those kind of effects have manifested in your life. Or maybe you had a father and mother in the home, and they weren't fathering and mothering you. And so, whatever the effect is, I will say this, your Heavenly Father says, I'll always father you. The key is, I want you to watch, listen to in this verse. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us we respected them shall we shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live now what does that mean y'all remember not a couple of years ago God started doing a work in me in relationship to exercising authority you know the functions of authority is to walk in authority is to protect one of the major ones is to protect to build up and I, I love intensely the people that I have authority over and around. And so what I would catch myself doing is, is exercising authority to protect. And in doing so, I would cause problems. And uh, God started convicting me and said, Rick, the power of protection is not in you exercising authority to protect. The power of authority... The power that's released in protection and authority is in the submission. Where it talks about in 1 Corinthians 11.10, wives, submit to your husbands in this whole context. And it says that a woman ought to have authority over their heads because of the angels. And one of the things that the Lord has shown Paul and I way back, and we hardcore believe in this, is that the power of protection comes in her submission to my authority, not me exercising authority over her. So when it talks about here submitting to the Father of light, Father of spirits, and live, what it's saying is the power of fathering comes in the submission. So it if you're sitting here thinking, well, I have not had fathering. Well, let me just say this. The, the most awesome father in the universe is present and is wanting to father you. The deal is, are you going to submit under his fathering? Because he's not going to force it. He's offering it and make, making it available. Go to the next slide, please. I, yeah, I skipped out. Uh, and uh, there's a past scripture in Psalm 27:10. It says, "If our father and mother forsake us, 
the Lord will take us up. And so he will father us. He will father us. You know, because a number of times I'm going, God, where did I get fathered spiritually? Where did I get fathered? And I'll talk about it in a second. And I start, because I look at it, I said, nobody really sat down with me and started, quote, fathering. And so, because I can feel it a lot of times when I start talking about this subject in the room, people start getting nervous. And, well, I need somebody to father. I need somebody to father me. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. There's truth in that, but, but there's a big, big but there. And we'll talk about that in a second. So, now what God started showing me about fathering. In fact, this is the frustration. You learned, I've learned more about fathering after I had kids than when I had kids. I got kids now, but I'm in a different phase of life. I remember when Max was first born, I would hold Max and I would cry. Max is my grandson. And I would cry. I'm going, God, why am I crying so much? I mean, I mean, it happened time after time after time and again and again. I just weep. You know, it's almost embarrassing. In fact, I'd take Max on rides in my... In the Ranger, a lot of times I was doing it just to get away because nobody would see me cry. I would hold him and he'd be in my lap as we'd ride down the trails. And I'd go, God, what's going on with me? And the revelation is that, Rick, you... There's so much more you know now to empower. And, uh, and so, so that's one of the reasons why I'm sharing what I'm sharing today, is to empower you and your fathering and your mothering, whether physically or spiritually, because we're called to both. And so God started showing me there are these phases of fathering and mothering in every child's life. And, and, and I speak this because parents, if you've got kids physically, spiritually to you who are raising kids spiritually, you need to understand there's these phases in a kid's life, either spiritual kid or physical kid. And, and understanding how these phases ebbs and ebb and flow. And what's other interesting thing, I want to say this, is that these phases can happen in particular areas of their lives. And so, so realize some things. Because I, in my relationship with Shay and Michelle, which are my kids, physical kids, I did not understand these phases. And so as I look back, I go, oh, man, I wish I'd have known this. And how to step into this. And so I want to go through these four phases. So that you may, you know, consider these things in how you're interacting in your relationships with spiritual kids and physical kids. But also, also there's some things in relationship to us as sons and daughters that I'm going to share about and talk about. Um, first phase is discipline. The phase of discipline. When a kid's born... That's where you always begin with discipline. And you remember, discipline does not mean to punish. That is one of the most crazy things in, that, that we, we make a mistake in thinking that discipline involves punishment. There is a facet of discipline that involves punishment, but the word Greek word for discipline literally means to train or teach a child. And I know you've heard me say this many times before. 
And this is in Hebrews chapter 12. Let's go to the, uh, yeah, you're there. Thank you. Uh, and so, and I've jumped right into the middle of it here, and I've uh, jumped into passages here, but, but it talks about not despising the discipline of the Lord. And when it's talking about this discipline, it means to train or teach. Like train a kid how to, how to, how to make a bed, how to train a kid how to budget money, train a kid how to, how, whatever. That is a form of discipline. And what, y'all have heard me say this before, but what we have, we discovered in a ministry and dwelling place is where a person has been disciplined by a father or mother, they have a tendency to be strong in a matter. Where they have not been disciplined, they will be weak or even forms of addictions. Like, for example, there was a young girl, a young girl, young, there was a girl that was in the internship program. Interesting thing in her life was that she had not been disciplined in relationship to her parents, in relationship to how to process relationships and her emotions. Conversely, her father was a banker, and her father disciplined her in the area of finances. Grew up, she grew up tithing out of every bit of her allowance, took 10% of her allowance and put it in a, and tithe it, took 10% of her allowance and put it in a bank account. Disciplined her. Well, as she grew up, she was weak in the area of relationships and emotions and didn't know how to process stuff. And so God had to heal her heart. Conversely, this, this young lady grew up very strong in her finances so much that when she was doing the internship program, she, single, a single woman, bought her own house. She didn't need anybody to do anything for her. Because why? She was strong financially. She had been disciplined in the area of finances. And I can tell you situations like there was one guy we were ministering to who had never been disciplined by his parents. His parents had had multiple marriages. Both parents had multiple marriages. And, but the only time he, is, he could ever remember his father disciplining him was in the context of, of when he was bad to, he hurt a dog. So his dad punished him appropriately in relationship to a dog. His dad was a computer engineer, so he disciplined him in the area of computer, taught him how to do computers. The only time he was ever, quote, disciplined, that was majority of his discipline was in relationship to one, to, uh, to like whenever he'd mess up, his mom would sit over him with a ruler and hit him in the head until he had a point it drove blood. Can we say this guy had, he was weak in the area of relationships? He developed an addiction to cutting himself. Addictions ruled his life. He was strong in computers. Became a programmer. And the major life, love in his life was what? Dogs. Because he'd been disciplined in that area. Where there was none or abusive discipline, there was, there was bondage. Where there was strong discipline, he was strong, powerful. So discipline is super, super powerful to prepare a kid's heart. And so the authority that a parent has is to train or teach our kids in life. And, and in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 and 6, you see three levels of discipline. I don't have time to go into this, but it's literally train or teach. Second is reprove. Reprove means literally mean to bring to light and show you how you did it wrong and how to do it right. And third is whoop or scourge. 
but it's always in relationship to teaching. Not in times I have to repent here before you of being guilty of punishing or disciplining, not punishing, not, I don't want to use that term, punishing Shay or Michelle out of anger rather than out of teaching and training. And so discipline is a role in relationship. The authority that you have with somebody is to train or teach them in area four areas of life. And that's where you'll see in Hebrews, 3, in Hebrews 12, you'll see why discipline is so crucial. Notice this first one. He scourges every son whom he, what? Receives. It's crazy to think about. Oh, is there a slide before this one? That's uh, in Hebrews 12. Can you go back one slide? Yeah, here it is. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My sons do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you're reproved by him. For the Lord, for those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. So what does discipline communicate? Love. What does discipline communicate? Acceptance. Is that you, Aaron, back there, Aaron French? You knew I was probably going to go here with this. <laughs> i never forget when Aaron was doing the internship program. There was a period of time he had head and butt disease. <laughs> in butt, head in butt disease. And, uh, and I had to, and I had to, you know, Aaron and I had a meeting of the minds, and we are talking about what to do in relationships and things, and he had screwed up. And I, you know, he and I talked, and he caught what was going on, but he was begging me to punish him. And I'm going, oh, what? And I didn't understand this that, at that time. And he was begging me, Rick, punish me, man. Punish me. And go to the next slide. He scourges every son that he receives. What was Aaron begging for? I mean, he wasn't begging to be scourged, but he was begging to be what? Received. And he didn't even know it. Inside him, he knew. He knew my heart toward him. He knew I loved him. But what was manifesting, what would communicate that is if I would express this discipline to him in relationship to scourging him in a particular way. I didn't beat him, but, you know, and say certain thing. I, I can remember what happened, but, but that was what was going on in Aaron. And so one of the roles and spheres of a, of a parent, a father and mother, disciplining, training and teaching, and either training and teaching or, or reproof or, or, or punishing, to teach, to communicate acceptance, communicate love. Go to the next slide. He he disciplines for us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. Holiness. What is holiness? Holiness is, communicates three things. One, totally separate. You're totally separate. Uncommon and clean. What, what for a, you know, one of the number one things when I'm ministering to young women who are dealing with sexual addictions, when they deal with these sexual addictions, one of the number one things when I see that, the first place I'll go is their relationship with their dad. Because what will happen is in that place, if there's, there's, a, uh, there's a vacancy of that relationship with that dad, there's no discipline, quote, from a dad's heart communicating you're loved, you're accepted, you're beautiful. I mean, I'm talking about intimate speaking, right intimacy, okay? Pure intimacy. 
speaking into them that. What it does, there is no discipline in those areas. They don't know that they're totally separate. They don't know that they're uncommon. They don't know that they're clean. They don't know that they're set apart for a purpose. They're holy for a man that God had created for them for a purpose. So the role of a parent in discipline, in this phase of discipline of a kid's life, is to communicate to them holiness. The fourth thing it will communicate, notice in this passage goes on, the next slide please. It says, all discipline for the moment does not seem to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet for those who have been trained by it, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. What's righteousness? Well, righteousness in the New Testament is established by what? The righteous man shall what? Live by faith. Why? That a man or woman who has been disciplined by a dad and a mother, trained, has the ability to believe, trust God. But if they've never been trained, I remember one time, y'all remember the story about the end time, time we took the interns to, uh, to, to Washington, D.C. We just told them to show up at I think 3 o'clock in the morning, there's going to be a bus here to pick you up and take you to a city which you do not know. Don't take any, don't bring any cash, don't bring any debit cards, don't bring cell phones. The people you'll be with will take care of you. So we sent them to D.C. And there's, they had stuff to do up there, ministry to do and stuff like that. Come back on Monday, Monday morning class. We go, where's Kathy? Kathy, you remember this morning? We go, Okay. Who carried cell phones? Who carried debit cards? Who carried cash? So they violated the, quote, rules. Was that the issue? No. What was the issue? It was in the heart. I'll never forget one guy who was in the internship of the program. He, he took all three. <laughs> Why? He was an orphan. He grew up in a place that if he didn't take care of himself, what? Nobody did. He was never disciplined to know that a dad would take care of him, a, a person in authority would take care of him. So he had an area in his heart that could, did not have the capacity to believe. That's one of the roles of a heart of a father and a heart of a mother is to prepare the heart of a kid to know they're accepted heart of a kid to know they're loved, the heart of a kid to know they're holy, the heart of a kid to know the ability, the capacity to believe God. But the interesting thing is a kid grows up, the parent needs to understand there's a transition that where the authority that you have in their life goes from discipline to equipping. And let's go to the next slide. And I know this passage of scripture is in use in relationship to the fivefold, but the fivefold is a form of the heart of the father being expressed. <coughs> and growing up into the full knowledge of the Son of God in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. And it hit me. God says, the role of a parent transitions to equip their kids for the work of service. In other words, to equip kids to get outside of themselves to serve other people. The other day, I was at the Davidsons, and I wish Joe and Michelle was here. I mean, Joe and Michelle are so awesome parents. We were, I was sitting with Joe and Michelle on their back porch, outside porch, and 
And uh, what's her daughter's name? My mind's going blank. Everly. Everly's being Everly. And Joseph and Micah were inside, right inside their sliding glass door. And, and they were trying to play with Legos and do some Lego things. And Everly's going in and out and kind of getting in the middle of that stuff. And, and Joseph uh, sticks his head through the sliding door because it was, you know, it was like early afternoon. And Joseph goes, you know, Dad, Mom, Everly needs a nap. So I wanted to see what happened in this. And Joseph and, and Joe goes, Well, that's okay. You go take her and rock her and put her to sleep. And I go, dude, that is cool. I mean, how is Joseph? Eight or nine. For Joseph at eight or nine to be equipped to take his younger sister and put her down for a nap. That is cool. That's empowering. I mean, equipping. The role of a parent to do that. And, and, uh, and so, in, in to, in the, and this is where the wisdom comes in, because there's different areas in your kids' lives, there's spiritually and physically, that, see, if you do it for them, you cripple them. If Joe would have, I mean, it was so sweet. I mean, Joe just sitting there with a smile on his face. You know, Joseph, you know, you could see that his stress point with his sister because she's messing with his Legos. But, but Joseph responded like, like, he didn't go throw a fit. He just goes, okay. And I go, that's so cool. But to understand, this is where you pray for wisdom. Remember, wisdom's got to do with movements. Is when is it that you're going from discipline, training and teaching, to equipping in that situation? So parenting takes wisdom in that. The third, third level the Lord started speaking to me about was, so there's discipline, there's equipping, in the fact, in, in, in the areas of life. But remember, equipping deals with the ability to serve and minister to others, the thing that you learn in, in relationship to discipline. The third, the third level is what I call empowerment or exhortation. And not too long ago, the Lord said to me, Rick, uh, you're exercising authority wrongly in dwelling place. I'm going... So when God starts speaking something to you, you go, uh-oh. And he's telling you. And he said, you're exercising authority to discipline. You're exercising authority to equip. You need to switch. And you need to learn how to exercise authority to empower and exhort. Notice this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's a very interesting passage of Scripture. Just as you know how we were exhorting you and encouraging and imploring you, each one of you, as a father, does his own children. Exhorting, encouraging, and imploring each one of you as a father's children. See, in other words, there's a place in time when the authority that you have in your kids' lives, either physically or spiritually, 
has to shift. Because one of the things the Lord was speaking to me in the area of dwelling places, what I, I was noticing is I was cutting off the next generation. Because but what I could do is create job security for me. Oh, okay, young. If anybody needs counseling, come to me. Yeah, I can do it. Yeah, come on. You know, like Wheeler said, and I'm going to say something, y'all. Please just say it. I'm just going to say it, okay? So Wheeler said, listen, Rick, if there's anybody that ever needs counseling, any relationship, anything, I'm going to send them to you. You know, I mean, that's just what he was saying. He was just saying, I send them to you. You're, you're the best I've ever heard. And he said something about Bill Johnson. If I need, they need healing, I'm going to send them to Bill Johnson. But if anybody needs their healing, I'm going to send them to you, Rick. But me, okay, I'm gifted in that, okay, in certain ways. But if I do that and don't empower the next generation to do it, guess what? I'll create a, what? A dependency on what? Me. So the role of a father, the role of a mother, is to understand when you shift your authority from, from trying to equip or to, to um, discipline, into empowerment and encouragement. And the Lord showed me, this authority is more, come here. See, more, a lot of the authority, I want to see how I'm going to do this. The Lord, stand behind me. A lot of the authority that we've operated in 20-some years in dwelling places has sort of like been in this place. Is that, you know, I've, I've been on the forefront, I'm exercising authority, and Mitch is catching everything that's going on that I'm stirring up. <laughs> He's standing at the back door catching people that are running out. He's done that for more years than even just in dwelling places. And so, so this has been the place, the sphere of authority. But God said, no, 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 no. Authority that is this is empowerment is more alongside. With your, your younger kids is more when, when your own kids. Is that where you're alongside them, with them. You're, there's authority here. There's submission to it. There's recognition of it. We'll talk about that in a second. But I am not trying to exercise authority to here to take the lead. If I'm doing this properly, I'm trying to do it here. Just like, just like this morning. This was so beautiful to me. Charlotte. Dude. Come on, y'all. How old is she? How old is she, Cindy? How old is Charlotte? Twelve. She's seeing Jesus walk around. And let me tell you, though, she said, anybody see him? No, I wouldn't see him, but I was feeling him. What did Mitch do? He calls her up. Mitch is in authority. He calls her. He stands alongside her. She steps out in authority. She prays, and she stands along, he stands alongside her and empowers her in that. He didn't try to dominate it and go, well, Charlotte said this. That is this sphere of authority. Thanks. Fourth level is the level of encouragement. Go to the next slide. This is kind of interesting to me, the relationship between Jesus and God the Father. God the Father wasn't disciplining Jesus. God the Father wasn't equipping Jesus. God the Father wasn't just in a place where he's empowering and exhorting Jesus. Because Jesus was all that Jesus could be. He was the fullness of the deity in bodily form. But what his role was, was a role of encouragement. Twice, God the Father spoke over Jesus. Behold, a voice out of heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. 
I love the one in Matthew 17, 5. He was speaking, a brown cloud overshadowed him and says, Behold, a voice out of, out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son in whom I well pleased. Listen to him. He didn't, God the Father didn't try to take over the show and said, Let me teach you this, what, what's supposed to be in this deal. What, what God the Father was doing, he says, Listen. My role of Shay has, has drastically changed. When Shay got married, is in, in, in Genesis chapter 3, it says, that For this reason a man shall what? Leave what? His father and mother and do what? And so Paul and I's authority in Shay's life is no longer positional. I wish I could claim it. I don't have positional authority in Shay's life anymore. I have relational authority. And the authority that I have is when I speak. Paul and I speak. We don't try to tell them how to parent. Oh, there's things we wish you could tell them. You know? And we, in fact, we talk about it at times. And then you go. <laughs> you know? I mean, I, we don't physically, but we sort of do. We, yeah, so we start praying. But, but the reality is, even in our praying, we want to make sure that we're not manipulating and doing spiritual witchcraft. But in that place, we want to be in a heart to encourage them. Shay, Shay wants to know something? He asks. If he don't want to know, guess what? I don't say. In this place of a parent, a father and mother, physically or spiritually, understanding what's going on and how to parent, what sphere, what phase your kid is in. And, and like, you know, I, I was thinking about Kevin and Aaron. They've got, you know, four kids, and all of them are at different phases, at different things. And the cool thing is, you know, don't, don't get anal about this and go, oh, what do I do? But you, you, you'll understand what's going on. And when you get in certain places in the kid's life and understanding discipline, training and equipping, equipping, empowerment, encouragement. Now, there's a flip side to this thing, and I wish I had more time to speak it. If I probably, we should probably stopped here. Uh, I don't know the next time I'll be speaking. But there's it. There's a response to the son or daughter in this. The strength, what we were talking about with the Jewish, in the Jewish nation, is not that they're so great and awesome fathers and mothers in that and that they do everything right. I would say that is not the case, right, Shane? But the strength is not only in that they understand the fathers and mothers will understand their roles, but the others, the strength is the role of the sons and daughters understanding. In fact, Shane was telling me, tell, tell them about the, the, when the, the rabbi did and how the kids responded. So we went over uh, to Israel. We were invited to the rabbi's house who actually had 15 kids from one wife. And it was a little apartment, and, and they all came in. Some had their own kids, and some were just very young. And uh, each kid came up to the father during the dinner. And he, uh, this happens every Friday night, and he, he did the, the high priest prayer over them. 
and he blessed each one of them. And it wasn't just how he blessed them. It was their posture of how they received it. They came up, you know, really excited. And then they just, you know, put their head down and they really received what their father was declaring over them. And afterwards, well, during the dinner when we were eating, all of a sudden he was, he was actually a rabbi and he would start talking and, and, and teaching. And you could hear a pin drop. All the kids at all the ages, they weren't just listening to their dad. It was like it was like a movie, and they were just absorbing everything that he said. They honored every word that he said. And after the dinner, we went upstairs to the roof, and they just wanted to sit there and listen to whatever their dad was saying. And it was just such an eye opener to me. You know, I've ne- I've never seen that kind of response from kids of you know honor towards their dad. So. That's cool. I. Uh, I just don't want to press something over. Uh, we are going to, s- some point in time in the future, I'll speak the second part of this thing, which is massively important. I just don't want to rush it. But I do want to, I want to, I, I feel like God's telling us to go into something here. Um, because it's, there, there are no perfect dads. There are no perfect moms. You know, somebody said to Michelle once, oh, I bet it's wonderful to have Rick as your dad. She goes, fooey on that. (laughs) At that particular time when that girl said that, says, how would you like it if your dad prophesied about what you were going to do before you did it? (laughs) That has happened a number of times. But, uh, you know, there are no perfect dads except and moms except for our Heavenly Father. And the role of a father or mother is to prepare the hearts of sons or daughters to be able to embrace the truth about who our Heavenly Father is, to be fathered by Him. You know, and so, you know, those places in my heart that were not fathered in the area of spiritual things uh, or mothered, well, it's kind of cool, caused issues that I had to overcome. But guess what? It's okay. Having to fight to overcome something is not bad. That's good. Because our Heavenly Father is a safe place. But the big thing is, as long as we're holding, this is our heart, and if the the desire is to have the truth of God into our hearts, to be able to embrace it, it's what sets us free. But if, hold that. But if I'm sitting here holding a lie about fathering or mothering in the area of I wasn't disciplined, how can I have to embrace the truth? I can't. So what we want to do is make sure the lies get removed so that we can embrace the truth of God. And so that's where I want to go here a little bit this morning. But I want to do this. I, I, most of you have seen a video that Shay did about me in relationship to grandfathering when he was working at INSP. And I want to show this, and then we want to just proceed into a a sphere of ministry. Can we, Lana, can we do that video, please? And uh, and then we'll transition out of this. But Shay showed up, Shay took me one day, and he said, Dad, he said, I I want to do a piece with you on, on, is it not there? Or maybe we won't do it. Yeah, there it is. Pause it, please. 
Back it up. Now, in Scripture, there are no grandfathers. You don't see the term grandfather. It talks about the father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There are fathers. There are no grandfathers. So the role of fathering exists all the way through. But it's in different spheres or phases. So Shay said to me one day, he said, Dad, I want to do a piece on you on INSP as a grandfather. And he said, so I said, well, what do you want to do? What do you want me to do? He said, nothing. I'm going to bring the kids. You do your thing with the kids. I'll bring a film crew, and it will film you. And then I'll just ask you some questions. And this was the fruit of it. It, it, it appeared on TV. And, uh, but I want to use it to communicate something, and we'll talk about it in a second. What I want to, we need to minister into. This is what that last phrase that I said is definitions. The other, this last week, Ron, where's Ron McCall? Ron, and, Ron came out and he and I were hanging out together and Ron and I were just doing our normal self. We're talking about what God's doing in our life. And he had mentioned about Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17, where it's talking about that the heart of God the Father is to give the power to make wealth. And Ron mentioned, I hope you don't mind me mentioning, Ron just mentioned, said, when he reads that past scripture sometime, it creates an area of condemnation in his heart because he, you know, he's hearing that as a, as a form of measurement. And feel like a disappointment. And so as he's talking, I'm going, and I can feel Holy Spirit doing something in me, in this thing. And so as we were, uh, we were getting through hanging out, so we were just going to pray together. And I said, uh, so I started praying over us, over us, this, this Deuteronomy 8.17 passage, where it's God's heart is to give us the power to make wealth. Now, you remember, wealth is more than, so much more than money. Relationships and gifts and, you know, so many different things. So I'm, uh, I started praying this over us. And I started, I started having a vision. Me as a little boy. Coming up to Godfather with just, I don't know what it was in my hand. But I know it had something to do with make wealth. It was like, and I was going, Dad, will you show me what I don't know how to do? I don't know how to do this. And I could just feel the intensity of his heart. No condemnation, no nothing negative whatsoever, but just an intense delight to be able to Say, I'll teach you, son. I'll walk in you. I'll equip you. I'll empower you. And man, alive. I can just feel the intensity at the heart of God the Father. And it was created in me a new definition of who my Heavenly Father is. What a father means. And so what? Some of you have some definitions in your heart about fathering or mothering it would be hard for you to embrace. And also, you have a tendency, you love, and you love because you have been what? First loved. Your father, many times you father or your mother how you've been fathered or mothered. And God's wanting to rearrange, to create new definitions in our hearts. And so, there's two sides of this thing. 
One is if when I was sharing this stuff and you see the things that were abuses and the negative side and how you were raised and it's making it hard for you to embrace the heart of who God the Father is. Because when you talk, let me just put a commercial, you heard me say this before. When you talk about God the Father, you're talking about both the heart of the Father and the heart of the Mother. Okay? It's both. I don't have time to show you those passage scriptures. So, but also there's this place here in relationship to needing wisdom for to father and mother in relationship to your kids. Understanding the phases of life. So, can I have a worship team? Thank you, Dan. You got something you want to add? Babe, you got something you want to add? Um, I was at a waterfall not long ago with my little three-year-old, and I find waterfalls kind of like to be the ocean um, in that sometimes it quiets down those voices inside me, and I could just hear what God's saying to me. So I was just, I was with him and holding him, and I was just listening to what the Lord was saying to me, which was so sweet. And then all of a sudden, I look at my son, and he said, I'm a good boy. And that was, that was good and challenging for me because I had been chasing him all day. <laughs> and even the other moms stopped watching their kids completely and stop, started watching my child completely because he was running away so often. <laughs> so I needed, so he needed to hear that he was a good boy. That's what the Lord was saying to him, but also saying that to me. That's why he said it out loud. Because I needed to hear and to say yes. You are a good boy. And I also want to just remind us that sometimes um, what your children do is, is not a reflection of who you are as a parent. God's really been teaching me that when in the parable of the prodigal son, he's referring to himself as father when he's saying, you know, the, the son was prodigal. He's saying he was that father. If he's saying he's a father who can have a son who runs away from him, then how can we think that our children are going to be perfect? You know, we might have a son or a child who's in judgment. We might have a child who's running toward the wrong things. But either way, our role is to be the loving parent who's ready with open arms to, to accept that child back. So I just want to speak over us that even if we feel like we've done a bad job as a parent, that our Heavenly Father says no. You know, even He has children who run away from Him and do things that are wrong. But we're here to say, you're a good boy, you know, in the moment that the Lord gives us. So uh, what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask that if any things that I've shared this morning was pricking your heart, I just wanted to ask you to come up and line up across here in front of me, just facing me. I know there's some. So, come on, be bold. Just making a line. Mitch, can you help me make sure? Raise the line.
I'm going to ask guys, would guys, if they'd come up and get, you got something on there? You got something? I just also feel like, um, you know, we're, we're the family of God, and like it says that every part of the body is needed and is vital, and a family of the family of God, it's sons and daughters, mothers, fathers, grandparents. And I just feel I just feel like I just want to number one honor the generations before me and just just say, like we really we honor what's in you and, and the things that are in you are things that we we don't have. And so I just, I just want to honor, some of you I don't even know, but I just want to honor that, that even, you, you may even just need to come up and just let a younger generation just bless you. And if you don't want to come up, I just speak that, I just speak blessing into the older generation, and I just want to say, we need you, like we honor you, we value you, like it's not about being related to us. I just want to say, like, you are valuable. Um, the, the mothers, the fathers, the grandparents in here, but also just the sons and the daughters of the body of God. I just, just want to speak that, like, we value you. You know, guys over here, I just want to declare that. Like, you have worth and value that no one can ever replace. You have an influence that no one can walk in. And so even beyond physical mothering and fathering, grandparent, I, we just, I just want to speak that into y'all, like each and every person here, that you have worth and value and you are needed in the body of Christ. So I'm going to ask uh, people to come up, guys with guys, girls with girls. Y'all know the drill. We've done it many times. Please, to, and stand in front of these people. We just want to pray something. <coughs> stand in front of them. If you're praying for, stand in front. I need a couple more, three more guys, please. If you're dealing with something in relationship to your parents where they were communicated wrong definitions, you need to forgive and release the lies. I need another lady. And if, if you've made mistakes in parenting, you need to ask for forgiveness and release yourself and receive the truth. Good parent. So Heavenly Father, you're doing a work right now. Y'all keep praying. I'm just praying over them. Lord, I pray right now the power of your Holy Spirit come. Lord, to redeem, renew definitions. New definitions, Lord. Jesus. We're just going to just feel free to dismiss. I'm going to pray, and y'all dismiss, and we'll just keep praying. If you want prayer, come on up, okay? So, Heavenly Father, we just pray blessings over everybody. I pray blessings. 
And Lord, revelations this week of your awesomeness as our Father in heaven. And Lord, I pray empowerment into the parents, both physically and spiritually, in the name of Jesus. Lord, wisdom to enter into new spheres and new dimensions of parenting. I speak it in the name of Jesus. I bless everybody, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.